Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So you might be going, how do we jump from baby Jesus to Easter? And I can understand that by assure you that there is purpose to my madness. All during Advent, we have been focusing on people in the scriptures who help us grow in our love for God. So we explored salvation by faith alone in Abraham. We explored Micah, who told us to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God. We even did a little bit of David on Cantata Sunday. David, who started out as a shepherd, became a mighty warrior, one of the greatest kings of all history in Israel. And above all of that was constantly and consistently a musician who not only praised God with his gift of music, but helped others to do the same in their worship, which we continue today. And then on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we briefly explored Paul. And today, it's only appropriate before we jump into a new secular year and transition into a new worship series to visit with one more person who has something very powerful and profound to say to us about growing in our love with God. And that person is Mary Magdalene. Now, depending on the tradition you grew up in, hearing the name Mary Magdalene might make you cringe a little bit. And I can understand that. Mary Magdalene has quite a reputation that precedes her, or actually follows after her, given the fact that we have Mary Magdalene in the scriptures. But Christianity has had a lot to say about Mary Magdalene. You might be interested to know that the scriptures don't have a lot to say about Mary Magdalene, except one really crucial thing. And that is that all four of the gospel accounts place Mary Magdalene at the tomb on that first Easter Sunday. That above all, sometimes she's alone, sometimes she's with other women, Mary Magdalene was there. She was the first to witness the risen Christ. And so her actions, what she does in the scripture account tells us something very important about who we are to be, how we deepen our relationship with God. And if you followed along with the story, you'll realize that this is an uphill battle for Mary. If you picture that day, it was a horrific Sunday, day after the Sabbath. They had gone there specifically to honor Jesus one more time. This is the same Savior that they witnessed beaten, battered, practically but unbroken, crucified, bloodied, all of it, all the humiliation. And he was taken down, wrapped in clothing, and tucked away into this tomb. And so now they were willing to do what was the role of women, to go back and to cleanse his body, to wrap him in clean sheeting, to anoint him with oil, and to perfume his tomb with herbs, and to go back and do all of this as one final gesture of their love and their adoration for what he had done for them. 
And so they went that day, very early in the morning, when most of Jerusalem was asleep, to go and perform this task. And as they were going, they had concern. They knew there was a large stone there, and they weren't sure how they were going to get it rolled back. Maybe someone would be around to help them, maybe not. Maybe together they could do it, who knows. But they get there, and before they can figure out the mechanics of moving this very large stone, they see that it has already been moved. And so they go into the tomb, and there they find not the body of Jesus, but instead this man in a white robe. And they're alarmed. The scripture says that they are upset. They're terrified. They're scared. And the figure says to them, do not be alarmed. Don't be afraid. You've come here to look for Jesus, but he's not here. He who was crucified is now resurrected. And he entrusts them with the first gospel story. Go forth and tell those who were with Jesus that he is risen and he is going on ahead of you to Galilee. There you too shall see him and he will be there with you. And according to the text, they are terrified and amazed and they flee from the tomb and tell no one the end. That's actually where the most ancient texts of Mark end. They end with the women fleeing in terror and telling no one. Now, we know that's not true. You and I wouldn't be sitting here if they hadn't told anybody. But the truth is that they were so frightened. Having a divine encounter is frightening. And they were so overwhelmed that they just ran, ran away. But then something else happens. Then Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. And he tells her, he, the risen Lord, in the flesh, says to her, go and tell the other 11. Go and tell them. And Peter, tell them that I am resurrected. Tell them that I am alive and that they have work to do. And when Mary takes this trust, this holy duty given to her by Jesus himself, she goes to them. These are the 11 Those who had been with Jesus for three long, powerful years of earthly ministry, they had seen what he could do. They had witnessed his miracles. They had seen the power of healing, feeding thousands and thousands of people. If anybody could rise from the dead, surely it would be Jesus. These same people looked at her and said, no, that didn't happen. I don't believe you. In their fear and in their mourning, in their terror, they couldn't hear her truth. And they denied it. They practically called her a liar by refusing to believe that she had seen him, much less heard him talk to her. And that he commanded her to come and tell them this news. They maligned her by refusing to hear Christ in her words. These same people who should have believed. Now, surely none of us sitting here have ever had a fellow Christian call us a liar or refuse to stand in our corner or treat us like a pariah. That doesn't happen here, right? You've never had that experience? Unfortunately, across Christendom, this is a commonplace encounter that we don't believe one another. That when someone says, I think God wants me to do this, there's always someone in the church going, there's no way God wants him to do that. God doesn't want any of us to do that. That's insane. 
There's always someone in the church who feels this call to go off into the wilderness and do something different or try something new. And then there always seems to be some or many people who go, we've never done it that way before. Or we tried that once two decades ago and it didn't work then and it surely can't work now. There's always people who are naysayers. And so those who are the inner circle, those who should have been the biggest supporters of the resurrection, they shot her down and they told her no. And they rejected the truth of God in her vessel. Why? The text doesn't tell us why. We don't know. Could it have been that they just didn't like the fact that Jesus appeared first to the women, a woman? That never happens. I doubt that's what it was. I think it was more of we are so caught up in our own suffering and our own fear that we can't even hear Jesus Christ in another person. We are so overwhelmed and so immersed in this loss that we can't hear hope. And so they rejected it. And Mary could have done what so many people do and washed her hands of this birthed church, this beginning of Christendom, and walked away. And where would we be now if she had done that? But she didn't. She told others. She told many others. Jesus is alive. I have seen him. He has spoken to me. He gave me this message, and this is what I must do. She refused to be silenced, even when those who should have been her biggest supporters and heralds rejected her. She refused to back down. And there are so many times in the church when we need to be supporting one another. We need to be edifying each other. If you want someone to call you a liar, you don't have to come to church. Plenty of people out there that will call you a liar. If people don't even know you, you log on to Facebook, they'll call you a liar. You don't have to come here for that. Instead, we come here because this is a powerful place. We come into the life of the church and the fellowship of believers because something happens here. We are more than we are out there when we come here. Here we are beloved children of God. Here we are of infinite worth. Here we are of sacred worth. And God has given us power and authority. God knows us, calls us by name here. And that doesn't happen for people out there. But it happens here. Here we are equal. Here barriers and stigmas and stereotypes, they are broken down. They are obliterated. Here we are one in Christ. Here we can truly be all that God created us, redeemed us, and calls us to be. Even though out there people say, you can't do that. This is not a woman's place. Women don't get up and speak and wear white robes and big pretty stoles. And we don't listen to them. And we don't listen to them because many people in a church just like this have looked at people just like me and said, God called you. I believe you. And I will support you. I will help you. That's the difference in the body of Christ. That we change the trajectory of the gospel. Because we believe that other people can be vessels of divine truth. And if we don't believe that, then what are you doing here listening to me? Instead, we understand that God is not limited by the vessel. That instead, God can use any person for a holy purpose. 
And we should be the first people to look for that in others, to encourage it, to help them develop it, to embrace it, and to edify them so that they can be something more. I wasn't kidding you when I told you that Mary Magdalene had been maligned. The words that float around with Mary Magdalene go something like this, redheaded prostitute. Those words are not in the Bible. In fact, the Bible doesn't say a lot about Mary Magdalene. You got most of it in today's reading. She once had seven demons and Jesus cast them out. And from that day, she became a follower, a disciple. And even when those others who were specifically called by Jesus into ministry doubted her, she would not turn aside. She would not let them scare her, intimidate her, push her out, silence her. Instead, she believed God and she believed in Jesus Christ. And when she saw with her own eyes that he was resurrected and heard with her own ears his call to go forth and preach, she did it. Just imagine how different, how much more full, how much more beautiful and extravagant the growth of the church would have been if the 11 had believed her too. If they had supported her, how much larger would the body of Christ have been from the very beginning? Unfortunately, churches can become a microcosm for all the problems that are out in the world. They can become a place where people hold your past against you. They can be a place where people look at you and go, yeah, I know what you've done out there. But here that should not be. Stigma, stereotypes, and your past die at those doors. When you walk into this space, you are forgiven, loved, and free. And God help us if we don't model that for one another. We are forgiven people. And here you are more than what you are out there. You are a vital, crucial part of the body of Jesus Christ. And there is no higher calling in this world. There is nothing more sacred because the church has always been subversive to the world. It has always been a place that undercuts when the world says that it cannot be done and you may not do it, the church has found a way to do it. When the world has said you can't possibly feed this many people, the church of Jesus Christ across denominations has figured out how to do it. When the world has said to the church, you can't possibly treat people as equal, the church has done it. When the world says you can't, Christ says, oh, yes, we can. We have to support one another. We have to see Christ in each other and value it and encourage it to be praying for one another, to be discerning with each other about what we should be doing. There is nothing more important in our lives than being the body of Christ. Everything else will be washed away. I've read Revelation. Everything. The old earth, the old heaven, they are gone. The sea was no more. But your place in the kingdom is firmly established. And we have an advocate. One day, I hope to be in the kingdom to come, and I hope to meet Mary Magdalene. I have no doubt she's going to be there. Four gospel accounts, she's in. And when I see her, I don't want to be one of those people that says, you know, I took my shots at you too. Instead, I hope that you and I will be some of the very Christians who are part of this movement to bring justice to Mary Magdalene. 
She has been maligned for almost 2,000 years, and all because Pope Gregory misinterpreted what the scripture said. He conflated Mary Magdalene with a bunch of other women and made one woman who was a redheaded prostitute. And by the way, no one's redheaded. Instead, he made a mistake. And I know that you can't say that. He made a mistake. He's a human being. He made a mistake. Isn't the church a place where we can make mistakes? I've made like three since we started this worship service. (laughs) It's a place where we make mistakes because we are forgiven. If you can make a mistake, here is the place to do it. I mean, don't drop a baby. Let's have some standards. But this is a place where you can explore. You can try out your gifts. You can get up here and sing. And if you can't, joyful noise. There are things that you can do here that you can't do anywhere else. And that is because here, the only law is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says, you are forgiven, loved, and free. So if you are, embrace it and help other people embrace it too. We don't squander that on ourselves. We share it freely. And so here it is almost 2,000 years later, and people have been saying all these horrific things about Mary Magdalene, and we should try modeling for her what we want for each other. That when someone says something awful, we'll go, well, you know, the Bible doesn't actually say that. And they'll go, yes, it does. And you'll say, show me. And then you'll stand there and they'll realize that they can't. Because that is what it is. It is to call out. It is to push back on people that say, you can't do that. I have lost count of how many people have told me I can't do this. Because quite frankly, I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I think I probably have an advocate in Mary Magdalene. Because all these people, powerful people, people who were the foundation of the church of Christendom, looked at her and said, you're a liar. You're wrong. I don't believe you. And she said, I don't care. I know Jesus. I have seen him. And in the church where we live in a world that says, show me the proof. Where is it? Show me. I need facts and figures. Here we say, you want to see the proof that Jesus Christ is resurrected? I am it. We stand here because Jesus Christ is resurrected. Because not only have we heard it, we have felt it. We have seen him. We have encountered him. We are the proof that Jesus Christ is resurrected. We are the people that can show this world something new, profound, and incredible because we are proof that the gospel is true. And that is our role in this world. To show the world that when it says no, Christ says yes. When the world says keep out, Christ says come. When the world says you are no good, Christ says you are worth dying for. That is the difference in what it means to be a Christian. And now, as we're transitioning out of 2017 to 2018, many people will start to ask you about your resolutions. If they haven't yet, they will. And they'll ask you over the course of today and tomorrow and the next week, what are you, what's your resolution? What are you trying to do? And I would like to challenge us to give one hour a month to Jesus. One hour a month. I'm asking for 12 hours over the next year. 12 hours. And for what? I don't know. I don't know what God wants from you. What are your gifts and graces? Where is your time and talent? You could be involved in worship on Sunday morning. You could be involved in our missions and our our ministries. There are many places where you could be involved. But today is our fifth Sunday prayer and anointing service. 
And there is no better time on this, the eve of a new year, to consider what God is calling us to be. We have spent all of Advent and Christmas thinking about how to grow in our love for God. We grow in love by being present with, engaged in, and striving for Jesus Christ. This is what we do. And if you're willing, if all of us here were willing to give one more hour a month, just imagine how much larger the kingdom will grow in Crozet. There are many things that we could do. And someone will say to me, well, I don't like any of those options. I don't care. I really don't care if you like those options. Jesus didn't like his option. Jesus spent a long time in the garden going, I don't like my option. But he did it. He did it anyway. He allowed himself to be betrayed, fall into the hands of the authorities that had no purpose other than to kill him. And he allowed himself to walk all the way up to Golgotha and be crucified for us. Can we not give him one hour a month? It is about our sacrifice, honoring and pointing back to his. Here in the church of Jesus Christ and this little sphere of our world in Crozet United Methodist, it is about growing in our love for God. And there is a miraculous thing that happens when you grow in your love for God. You will grow in love for others. That's Lent. And Lent will start this year on Valentine's Day. I grind my teeth at that concept. But we have six Sundays after today before we enter into that time of introspection, that time of wrestling with our growth from last year's Lent, whether or not we have become more faithful disciples of Jesus Christ between Easter's, before we get there, can we not spend six weeks really praying, wrestling, and discerning what God would have us do and be for a new year? It's going to be a new year for the world. I think it would be a wonderful thing for it to be a new encounter here in Crozet. We are the body of Christ, but we are not the fullness of what God wants us to be yet. We have room to grow, we have love to give, and we have grace to pour out in abundance. May that be our legacy for 2018. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.